Hi there, you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 101. The good news is we've created a product that no one's ever heard of before. And the bad news is we've created a product that no one's ever heard of before. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped. And now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Before we get into the show, I have a question for you. Do you know that you should be out networking, but you just can't get yourself to do it because it's scary? Are you afraid that you might walk into the room and not know anybody? Or that you're going to freeze when you get up to do that infamous elevator speech where you talk about yourself and your business? Well, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't need to be scary if you know what to do. To help you with this, I would like to offer you a coffee chat. For the price of buying me a cup of coffee, we can sit down through an online video and I'll tell you everything that I know about networking and how I have personally built two multi-six-figure businesses primarily through networking. To learn more about this opportunity, just go over to bit.ly forward slash network ninja. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash network ninja. And now let's move on to the show. Hi there, it's Sue and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick and mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I am so pleased to bring to you Sheila Maines of Brownie Brittle. Sheila was laid off from her corporate job in 1992. So at the age of 42, she decided it was time to do something that she loved, and that was baking. Sheila took a treasured family recipe for brownies and launched a little brownie business. There were many ups and downs over the years, and it wasn't really until about 2011 that all the hard work and sacrifices began to pay off. That was when she created a product called Brownie Brittle. By the end of that year, they had approximately 200,000 bags of Brownie Brittle on store shelves. And today they have over, are you ready for this? 30 million bags in stores and also internationally. Sheila, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Sue. It's my pleasure. I am thrilled that you're joining me. And I'm going to start off as we always do. It's kind of a tradition here by having you describe a motivational candle. If you were to create a candle that really speaks you, what color would it be and what would be the quote on your candle? Well, I think that color would be cream, a cream colored candle for a couple reasons. One is cream is a very common color for me and perfect for my quote, but also because cream colored candles generally smell like vanilla. And of course, as a baker, you have to know how I love the smell of vanilla and filling up my kitchen and my entire house with the smell of vanilla and baking. And then my quote that goes along with it is actually from the Talmud. And I have it on my desk next to a picture of my grandmother. And it goes like this. Every blade of grass has this angel that bends over it and whispers, grow, grow. And I think when you're starting a business and working by yourself all alone, it's kind of nice to know that, you know, maybe you're not so alone. 
and that you have someone out there that is just making sure that things go in your favor, work your way, keep you encouraged. That is such a wonderful visual as you described it. I've never heard that before, and I'm going to keep that and carry that with me. I really like that. Borrow it anytime. All right. <laughs> grow, grow, grow. <laughs> grow, grow, grow. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about how Brownie Brittle got started. I just, you know, it has become like a phenomenon, it seems like, Sheila. I mean, everyone knows about it. People are baking with it. Your business has exploded. But let's walk it back to the beginning, because I'm sure you didn't know that that was where you were going to be going. No, only hoped. So what you knew you were going to start baking, but what did you do? What were the first steps to start building this business? The first part of the business was a brownie business. I had been living in the corporate world. My background was finance and I was laid off from my corporate job. I had worked my way up to that coveted corner office with two windows. And on one Friday in 1992, I was told that was going to be my last day. The company had suffered some losses. And, you know, I just wanted to do what I love. And I love to bake. I knew I couldn't go back to the corporate world and give 150% again. And I couldn't go back and give any less. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this three months. I come from a long line of bakers. My mother and my grandmother were phenomenal bakers. And uh, of course, their love of baking was contagious. So that's how I got into the brownie business. And the brownie brittle business stemmed from that. I always love the corner pieces and those <laughs> drippings on the side of the pan. And I used to go back into the plant and snack on those drippings in the afternoon. Pretty soon the drippings were getting scarce. And I went back there a little bit earlier one day and everyone working on the line was there snacking on the drippings. And that was my light bulb moment. Maybe we've got something here. Interesting. And so before that, there were clearly drippings, but you just weren't seeing it or? You know, we well, well, they were, you know, it was like the corner pieces, those drippings on the side of the pan. But I thought I was the only one that loved munching on those until, yeah, I realized everybody working the line was doing the same thing and they loved it. And it was like, maybe we have something here. So it was taking the batter, spreading it thin in the pan, baking it off, testing different toppings, and Ronnie Brittle was born. Okay, so this is a great example of how you can identify a new business. I'm kind of, well, it's a new product within your overall business. Mm -hmm. Is the original brownie business still up and around or is it all transitioned at this point? It has all transitioned. I had a very nice account called Walt Disney World for 22 years, and we maintained that up until May of last year. They decided to bring their brownie baking operation in-house. So that was kind of the last of the brownie business. And we're actually running brownie brittle out of two plants, one in Florida, one in California. And the brownies were in a third plant. So it really kind of worked out well. We really need to focus on our core item, brownie brittle. For sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, for this to be beneficial to our listeners, I do want to jump back because you can't say 
Disney and let me just pass over that. (laughs) That just can't happen here. So just for a minute, let's go back. Let's leave Brownie Brittle for a second and talk about the Brownie business. That obviously was a huge account. It probably had you keeping the Brownie business, the initial business open a little longer because clearly you want to service a large company like that. How did that whole thing evolve in terms of identifying that Disney could possibly be a customer. Walk us through a little bit of how that happened. Well, you know, the brownie business initially was like tins and platters, and we did gift baskets as well with our brownies. And I had a customer who was a real estate attorney. And at the holidays, he used to do a tremendous amount of business with me, sending out to realtors that had referred their clients to him. So one year, he had gone on a fat-free diet. And he said to me, you know, I don't know that I can send out your brownies this year because everybody has been commenting about how much weight I lost. And then I'm going to send out these like heavy duty butter and chocolate brownies. Do you think you could come up with a fat free brownie? So I said, you know, certainly can try and uh, rolled up my sleeves and, and got to work. And it had to be, it couldn't be just good. It had to be great. And that's how, you know, of course we feel about brownie brittle and all the flavors too. We look for that, oh, wow factor from our customers. And if we don't get it, that product isn't going anywhere. So I finally came out with a really good fat-free brownie. And one of my neighbors in the industrial complex where I had the little bakery came by one day and he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, try this. And he goes, oh my gosh, this is really good. He said, can you give me some samples? I'd like to send it to a friend. And I said, sure. Well, his friend was one of the top people at Disney and they were looking for healthier items to put in the quick service restaurants, in the parks and on the dessert menus. And she loved it. And she took it to the executive chef at Epcot and he liked it as well. And I was invited up to do a cutting, which is like a sampling in front of 12 executive chefs. No pressure. No yeah, pressure. really. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I went up there. It took a few weeks to put it together. And I went up there and brought several different varieties of our brownies. And the next thing you know, we had an order for 37,000 brownies. Pretty oh, incredible. My yeah. word. <laughs> Wow. Well, that is such a fantastic story. And a couple of things I want to just emphasize here for everybody is you really listened to just an individual customer. I mean, you had no idea at that point who <laughs> who the friend was that he was sending that product to, right? Right. But a really important point in terms of listening to your customers, because so many good ideas can come from their mouths. You don't have to be mm-hmm. the one who knows everything. Here, Sheila had the talent and the knowledge and, you know, the flavors and the baking tricks for the brownies, but she listened to what a customer said and look at what happened. The other thing is she didn't just fulfill that customer's need with, okay, you know, we'll just do this on the side real quick, you know, make something for them and that'll be that. She made sure the product was fabulous, you know, to her way of talking the wow factor. And then you got yourself out there. You put yourself in a kind of scary situation with that presentation and look what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't hold back. You got yourself out there. And so now you're sitting on this super big order. How in the world did you fulfill that? I'm sure that was, I don't know how many times the size of your 
past largest order. But were there any struggles there um, to actually get up to level and fulfill that type of an order? Yeah. So that definitely took the business to a whole new level and beyond the capacity of my little 1,200 square foot facility. I learned about contract manufacturing. And this was all new to me and looking at different bakeries that were not only interested in doing contract manufacturing, in other words, making products for another company, but were capable, had the capabilities, had the cutting materials, had the wrapping materials, had all the equipment that we needed. You know, the first thing you say is, sure, yes, we can do it. And then you roll up your sleeves once again and you know, dig in and try and figure out exactly how that's going to happen. And it's interesting how there's just this synergy. You know, you start heading in one direction and you meet someone and they know someone. Or I remember reaching out to one of my suppliers. And of course, they're the best resource because they know all the bakeries and who has what. And so that was a tremendous help. So transitioning from that to producing like tins and platters to 37,000 brownies. Yeah. Was it a challenge? Yes. We certainly made sure that we had enough lead time for not just the production, but also all the packaging that we needed to order special packaging. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. And so did you end up having multiple contractors or just one, Um, one baking facility? Over the years, multiple. Some worked out better than others. It was an experience. Would I do that again? Yes and no. I think that it just requires vigilance, making sure either you're there or someone that you trust is there supervising production. Yeah, that's kind of where I was getting with that question. I'm kind of thinking, and I haven't been in the baking industry in that manner, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking that your direction and information down to them so that they produce the product that you initially presented, right, that Disney's expecting to get is exactly along the same lines. And then you have to have people watching at all times, like you said. So I'm sure quite different from what you did when you started out with the brownies. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. Going from 80 quart Hobart mixer to uh, 340 quart mixers you know we had like at one point one plant had three of them and they could all three could be going at the same time could you put a person in there is that how big they are yes oh yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. My gosh. oh a person yeah in the mixer <laughs> yeah uh, yeah actually you could oh <laughs> uh, Willy Wonka <laughs> yeah oh. exactly <laughs> oh my gosh all right so let's now swing around to brownie brittle so you're describing how you first came about and identified that this could possibly be a product and started testing it. And again, Gift Biz listeners, in my 100th episode, which was just one back, we talk about how you identify a business or a product. And here is yet again another perfect example because, you know, it was a single point in time, a single revelation. And you don't know when you're going throughout your day where that might happen. Sheila saw it, identified it, and bingo, there it was. And then she had to work the idea. So let's continue on with the brownie brittle. So you had the idea, you started sampling, you know, making the brownies super thin like that. What happened Mm -hmm. next? And then it was just getting the samples out there. And um, there was a couple different packaging changes that we've done along the way, just trying to continually perfect the packaging. So the focus was on initially getting samples out there, filling the orders as they came in, and then 
optimizing it, commercializing the process, and so that we could do the scale up and do the volume. So were you sending samples out to customers that you already had from the past business, or were you approaching a brand new sector? It was an entirely new sector. So there was another learning curve there. What I had done with the brownies was basically food service. So half sheets for food service distributors would be the base for our brownie sundae. So it was now all of a sudden it was retail and it was gourmet shops. It was grocery stores. It was club stores, meaning like Costco, Sam's, BJ's. It was different margins, different markups. Anyway, what I basically did was teamed up with a group out of Orlando who was very familiar with that industry. And we were able to catapult the product out into the marketplace and find adequate production and streamline that, customize equipment. Ramping up once again in an entirely yeah, different way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I can tell you that the first half of 2012, I did less than a half a million in sales. And from July to the end of December, where we were in what was full speed ahead mode, we did 8 million just insane. Oh my word. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So receptivity was really high right from the start. It was, you know, getting it into Costco and the demos, that was the biggest challenge was, you know, and I used to say, the good news is we've created a product that no one's ever heard of before. And the bad news is we've created a product that no one's ever heard of before. So it was all about driving trial and demos, demos, demos and Costco and BJ's and Sam's. They were the perfect vehicle for this product. Yeah, where I first saw it was in Sam's at a demo, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. But, you know, you say it's a brand new product, but it's kind of grounded in something we already know, which is brownies. Right. So it's not totally new, but it is in terms of how you apply it, I would say, which leads a little bit to your cookbook. So let's talk about that right now. Oh, that was fun. Butter and chocolate. And uh, I had no idea what I was taking on, but I'm really proud of how it turned out. And we've just gotten some amazing reviews about the cookbook. Did you have this idea to do a cookbook in your mind or did someone come to you and say you really should do a cookbook? You know, we have recipes on browniebrittle.com and our fans love them and they want more. And we had all these treasured recipes, many of them family recipes. And I thought, you know what? I want to get them out there. And it, so it's not just the brownie brittle recipes. There are uh, quite a few in the cookbook, but it's actually taking that original family recipe for brownies and showing people all the different things that you can do with it, like brownie truffles, brownie cookies, brownie bites, brownie waffles, brownie French toast. I have a recipe in there for an edible like brownie batter that you could use to stuff the French toast or a crepe. It's very creative. It's not something that Weight Watchers would offer. <laughs> but, but You're allowed to cheat every once in a while, well, right? you know what? I always <laughs> believe if you're going to indulge, make sure it's worth it, you know? And, exactly. Yeah. And you know what? It, even if you don't want to do the made-from-scratch brownie recipe, you can incorporate brownie mix into these recipes as well and look like a real hero. Right. And I love the fact that you still have the family recipes integrated in mm -hmm. and then regular brownies and the brownie brittle, too, because I think you, when you and I met last year, I think we were at America's Baking and Sweets and you were signing books, mm -hmm. right? Yep. 
our conversation, a part of it anyway, was people needed to understand what to do with brownie brittle. Like it wasn't exactly, it tastes great by itself, but it isn't an exact extension of how you might bake with it and use it for other things besides just by itself. Exactly. Yeah. And you can grind it up and use it just like you would a graham cracker and make a crust out of it. It's got that nice chocolate crunchy finish to a cheesecake or a tart or a pie or bars. I mean, imagine like the seven layer bars that everyone just loves and using brownie brittle as a base for that. So great idea. Again, Gift Biz listeners, think about your product. It's not an automatic assumption. I think we're around our products so often that we're like, well, yeah, you can apply it this way and you can apply it this way. This is obvious, but not necessarily so. Sometimes you have to walk a customer exactly to what they can do, just like Sheila is now doing in her cookbooks. So, and we will make sure because you want to take a look at this cookbook, we'll link up in the show notes page that book for sure so that you can see what that's all about. Okay, so your whole story to this point, I'm going to call you the queen of brownies now, (laughs) Sheila, because you've got the initial brownie business with Walt Disney as a customer, super exciting. Then you morphed into brownie brittle in all the box stores revenue-wise jumped millions of dollars within that year, something had to go wrong. There has to be a story in here that was challenging. And, you know, like it just, it still makes you stand in your tracks and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we got through it. What's that story? You know, there were so many. There were so many struggles. There was, you know, it sounds like, oh, look at this. She got 37,000 brownies and it just kept going and going. No, it, it was a roller coaster ride. And someday I'll write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have experience in that now too? Yeah, there there will be hundreds of pages uh, dedicated to the downside. But I think the most significant dip that I experienced was the 2008 housing crisis. So here I am, like all these years, starting the business in 1992, a few ups and downs. But then the housing crisis and my Disney business was just way down. Food service business was way down. People weren't saving their money to go to Disney. They were trying to save their homes. They weren't eating out. And when they were, they weren't ordering a $5 brownie sundae. So I had to find them in the grocery store. And that was when I said, you know what? I'm going to take this product, this brownie brittle, go to the grocery. Because you you go to a grocery buyer and you show them brownies. And and brownies are like a me too item. The first response is going to be, we already have a brownie. Our cheesecake guy makes a brownie. But no one was going to tell me that they already had a brownie brittle. So... So that's exactly what I did. You know, I decided to throw everything I had left into launching Brownie Brittle. And fortunately, it worked out. Sure did. (laughs) (laughs) Any advice for people who might be at a point where they're wanting to approach some of the bigger box stores? Um, Don't be intimidated. I think that, you know, make an appointment, go out there. They're all looking for new products. And just make sure that you've got your numbers that you know your costs, because if you're upside down just a cent, you could lose tens of thousands of dollars. So I would make sure you've got your pricing right, make sure you've got your packaging right, and take that big leap of faith. What have you got to lose? There you go. 
I totally agree. And I also see a lot in my neighborhood, some of the smaller grocery chains, as well as like Whole Foods, are very interested in a lot of local items too. And they will take on some of those categories. So if you get some success in a local venue, will that help you as you go to some of the larger brands or the larger chains, I guess I should say? Yes, absolutely. You know, one is a good test for the product. You're dipping your foot in the pond there and seeing if it's just you that thinks the product is great or, you know, your friends that thinks the product is great. Getting it on shelf and seeing how it moves is certainly the best test. And then a lot of the larger club stores like Costco, Sam's, they also have regional buying offices. So let's say you just get it into your local market, a gourmet market, and it does well. And you want to go to your local, you know, your grocery. They can actually test it out in different divisions. Like here, we're in Florida. So Publix has different divisions. They might put it in the Miami division and have the product in a limited number of stores before they put it across the board. That's great advice. It's also not a bad idea because then when you start talking about production and having to ramp up, you're not overwhelmed by going from really, really small to huge right away. Plus, if it doesn't work and it doesn't move in the stores and they don't reorder, then you're stuck. Oh, yeah. In terms of costs. Yep. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Great advice in terms of don't be intimidated, just go in, show your product, and know that they're also looking. You know, they can't have product on the shelves that is the same over time either. A store has to continually refresh, Mm -hmm. offer new things, or they're going to lose their customers. So it's a win-win as long as your product is stable, your business is stable, the pricing is on like Sheila's talking about. Exactly. Is there anything else you would add here, Sheila, before we move on? You know, don't be afraid to reach out to other people in the industry for advice. What I learned when I first started the brownie business, which was very refreshing, is it wasn't like the same as a corporate world where everybody was tight-lipped and, you know, held their cards against their chest. A lot of them were interested in helping other people. I think, too, you know, uh, women in business tend to be more generous with their advice and support and reach down and lift up another woman business owner and help them. I also believe in karma and everything comes full circle and you just never know. So uh, I'm, I'm actually a mentor for the Specialty Food Association and I enjoy talking to people who are trying to launch a new product and emerging brands. Beautiful. Kind of like what we're doing here right now. Yeah. Sheila, I want to turn now into our reflection section. This is a little bit more looking at you as a person where our listeners can hopefully relate or grab some tips from you. What is a trait that you've just had naturally that you've called upon as you've made your journey? I am tenacious. And I don't know that I always possess that trait. I just developed it along the way with everything that I had to put up with. But it certainly was one that I developed. And thank God, because I think those big dips would have definitely put me in, wouldn't put me in the same place I am today. Do you think you would have just said, this is way too much, I'm moving on? Yeah. Not doing it. Yeah, Yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I find that for myself, too. Sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. Why am I doing this? And all I need is a good night's sleep. And then I get up and I'm full charge ahead again, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yes, exactly. 
Is there a tool or something else that you use that you would could be able to share with our listeners that helps you keep productive or to create balance? Um, so I have no balance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can advise anyone on how to have balance in their life. I'm, Let's put I'm, another <laughs> trait being honesty. How about that? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think once you let go of that, you realize, okay, this is not how it's going to be. I'm fortunate that my children work with me. So I get to see my kids and my husband is retired and he's very happy to just kind of sit back and float in the pool. So, and very supportive. So, you know, that's great. But um, I just try and work in the time with my friends. My girlfriends are like so important. So being able to grab a lunch here or there. And fortunately, they're also very supportive and patient with me. But I would say that I've learned to kind of go through my day by dividing projects into two categories, those that are important and those that are urgent. Otherwise, your entire day can get derailed. That's one thing that I definitely try and uh, a tool that I try and use, especially, you know, with calls and emails and texts, you could just get thrown all over the place. And someone like me with serious ADD, forget it. It could be just overwhelming, but that does help. So then you were able to prioritize your tasks and make sure you're not spending too much time on things that are important, but could really take up your whole day. Exactly. Got it. Yep. And is there a book that you've read lately that you think our listeners could find value in? You know, I'm not an avid book reader, not because I don't enjoy reading a good book, but, you know, I really have time to finish one. So and that's very frustrating to me. And I pour through a lot of articles on a daily basis about, you know, what's going on in the industry. But there is one book that I would highly recommend. It's one that changed my life. I pull it out every once in a while and the pages are tattered and there's highlights and underlines. And the book is The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. I've just been able to benefit so much from her teachings. It works. I don't know if you're familiar with the book, but... uh... Yes, I'm so familiar. And I totally believe in that. I mean, I look at the path that I've been on and it just seems like there are things that just get placed in my path because it's going to lead me forward one way or another. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's that little angel on the blade of grass. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) No, I totally, totally believe in that. So, and you're seeing the same thing, Mm -hmm. putting it out there, what you want to do. And I think a lot of that also goes back to some people will start their businesses and not really know what they're doing, right? Not really know They don't have an end game. They're just like, I want to start this business and it's going to be this. But what is it really going to look like? So I think for the secret to work, you have to have an idea. You have to be going somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. You have to be on that path. And then again, that synergy that just things just come into your life, the things that you need, the people that you need. But it takes believing to an entirely new level. It's believing when you have no reason to believe in something. And still believing That's it. powerful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And surrounding yourself with people that support your belief and don't listen to the naysayers. 
Well, and Gift Biz listeners, just as you're listening to the podcast today, you can also listen to audiobooks if you're not able to read either. <laughs> audiobooks are a little bit easier to consume. I've teamed up with Audible for you to be able to get an audiobook just like The Secret, and I do know that that's on Audible because I have it. <laughs> All you need to do if you want to get a free book is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. Okay, Sheila, it's time for me to invite you to Dare to Dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? You know, I have to say my dream has come true with Brownie Brittle and I'm so fortunate and I'm so grateful. With it, we've been able to give back to different organizations like Cookies for Kids Cancer and Kids Community Closet, Canine Companions for Independence, our local food bank. I would love for that to go on forever through a foundation. So if I opened up that magical box, it would be this foundation that was funded and would carry on this great work that we've done forever. I love that. I mean, you're in a place right now that I think all of us want to be. You're living your dream and you want to just extend it and continue and give back. Exactly. There is just nothing better than being able to give back, you know, seeing what all this hard work has done. It's great that everybody loves the product and I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction from all the letters and emails that come in every day from people, our fans, our customers, but to know that we're able to take some of that and do some good with it is so rewarding. Gift Biz listeners, you know that there'll be a lot of information over on the show notes page, but if you're not near a computer, not able to jump over there right now, Sheila, where would be a single place online where you would direct people if they wanted to learn more about you and the product? BrownieBrittle.com. Well, that's hard. com <laughs> <laughs> and our number is 1-800-BROWNIE. Oh, you're lucky to have gotten that, boy. I know, I know. That goes back to that karma, I think. Yep, <laughs> it did. Yeah, when you're wondering uh, whether you're headed in the right direction or not, and this was way back in the start of the brownie business, and it's like, I think somebody's trying to tell me something. This phone number became available, and I was able to get oh it. Gosh. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you had to be like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And there have been many yeses along your journey. And I so appreciate you being here today, sharing with us the experiences, giving an insight into what you've gone through to be successful and how things have gone from one business to another and then extended on with your book. I really love the fact, Sheila, that you've taken Brownie Brittle, which is such an awesome product unto itself, and made it extend into a greater good. It's the best because a product is a product, but when it can do more for people and really create even more good in the world, you've got something golden. Thank you again for sharing, and may your candle always burn bright. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Where are you in your business building journey? Whether you're just starting out or already running a business and you want to know your setup for success, find out by taking the Gift Biz Quiz. Access the quiz from your computer at bit.ly slash giftbizquiz or from your phone by texting Gift Biz Quiz to 44222. 
Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out the ribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.